I'm Todd Harrington, and you're listening to the Gray Matters Podcast. Along with my co-host, Tony Hoyland, each episode explores a special guest's lifelong passion. There'll be a bit of nostalgia, but mostly it's our guest's personal story of how they discovered their passion and how it evolved over the years. Welcome to the Gray Matters Podcast. Our guest today is Kristen Cofield. Kristen is the wellness lifestyle expert. She teaches purpose-driven humans how to turn food and habit into superpowers for health and happiness. As the founder of theculinarycure.com, she simplifies wellness into doable daily habits that hold the key to enhanced wellness and living younger, longer, and better. Kristen is the author of How Healthy People Eat, an Eater's Guide to Healthy Habits. Her entry-level coaching program is the 21-Day Detox and Reset. Kristen also accepts highly motivated humans for her private coaching program. Without further ado, hello, Kristen. Hello, Todd. So now, before we dig into your amazing journey, uh, there is, you might hear another voice on the end. Um, He's an accomplished musician, a successful voiceover, and a really perfect specimen of aging health in his own right. Oh my my co-host, Tony Hoyland. Tony, say hello to Kristen. Hey, Kristen. Nice to meet you. Hey, Tony. Okay. So, my, first, for, you know, my gut literally knows I need to listen closely to this session for better health. And, uh, and keep in mind, so the good news is a large portion of our audience is over 50. So many will be getting real value from what you share today. So starting with your journey. But before that, I, I, you know, I go to your website and I look at your newsletter and it says things like, I'm Kristen Cofield, and my life got complicated. I want to share my story because my life wasn't always pretty. So these are quite revealing opening thoughts for a health site. So before we dig into your business and things like that, take us back and when did this all start with food and and health and and turning into a business? But go back a bit to see where it all began. Sure. And and I always like to say, you know, I think my story is a little bit of everyone's story, Um, you know. I graduated from a really good college. You know, I married a terrific guy. We moved to a great neighborhood. We had three kids in private school. You know, life was really good. Everything was fine until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And everybody faces these real life struggles that come along and we're not always really prepared for them. And I always say to people, you know, this kind of stuff, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. So my picture perfect life from the outside got pretty complicated. Um, There were financial struggles. There were health and wellness struggles with our parents, with our kids. Um, And sometimes the rope is really long. You're just traveling through your life and you're like, hey, you know, I'm like, I am resilient. I am one of those people. I'm a problem solver. Um, And then after like five, six, seven years, you're like, oh my gosh, I am totally worn down. And this cannot be what the universe had planned for me. This cannot be what my life is supposed to be like. And The crazy part of when things don't work out the way we expect them to is that our world that seemed so big, and I think everybody can relate to this because in a lot of ways, COVID was like a slap in the face to everybody. Like, hey, guess what? You're, you know, you're not impervious to, you know, real life struggles. Everybody's going to struggle now. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're in that sort of struggle situation, our really big world gets really small. Well, so, so you, before all that, you obviously were drawn to food and, 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 but it became a little more healthy is like you were, were you a bad eater before all this or you just kind of, this was part of your transition? (laughs) Well, food has always been my medium. So I grew up in, in a small town in Westchester, New York. Um, My mom was a divorced single, you know, lady in the sixties. That kind of wasn't cool. We lived in a mile square town um, and Mm. she had a shop. She had a business in town and um, she 
she was kind of like this amazing woman. She was really pretty. She had a great personality. People loved to come into her shop. Uh, they really, you know, her name was Joy, and people could really Perfect. find connection with her. She just curated the best things in her shop. And, you know, just like life in a small town is pretty cool stuff. But yeah. when I got to be about 16, and I'd been working for my mom for like 10 years, you know, the the rubber hit the road. My mom was like, hey, I think maybe you should be working for somebody else because you and I are not getting getting along so well. So a friend of hers had just opened this business. And this is like 1974, 1975. She had just opened a shop called a la carte. And this woman was pre-Martha Stewart doing everything that Martha Stewart was doing. She was curating croissants from Voila Bakery in the Bronx. She was getting cheeses from France. She had a little Italian lady, a little Greek lady, and a little French lady in the kitchen making these amazing frozen hors d'oeuvres. She was doing things with food that nobody else was doing back in the early 70s. And so I got a job working for her, and that's where food became my medium. Food is like everything to me. It is love. It is community. It is connection. It is family. It's celebration. It's math. It's science. It's English. It's everything. And that's really where it started for me. So I I learned about food. I, I trained, um, you know, there I was like a naughty 16-year-old who really just you know, wanted to drink beer after school and, you know, maybe smoke a joint. And I had this after school job where, you know, I was working in a restaurant and she trained me as if she was a fine French restaurant. I was in the basement peeling vegetables. I was taking the trash out. I was learning about food from the basics. All right. So the passion goes way back. And then, and then how long did you do that before you decided I know there's some crisis that you referenced in your life. When did it turn into the culinary cure? Well, actually, that that's a great story because I started there. Our senior year in high school, I had this grand idea that we could have a dinner theater as a fundraiser for our senior class. We had some kids that were really talented musicians and singers, and I volunteered myself and somebody else to cook dinner for 150 people. Um, that's... <laughs> That's how confident I was. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And we actually served um, a lovely chicken cocoa vin and spinach salad dinner. But um, I went on. Wait, how old were you at the time? How old were you then? I was 18. Jesus. Okay, go ahead. And and we were like cooking in our kitchens and then the school cafeteria. Yeah, we pulled it off. It was pretty, pretty remarkable. And then I went off to college and I came home. I took a year off from school and transferred to Columbia University. And at that point, a la carte, which had been such, um, oh, my God, she was so ahead of her time in the culinary department. However, she was really struggling as a business person. So she had gone out of business, but people started calling me. You know, now I'm in my early 20s and people are calling me and saying, hey, can you bring a bartender and make a few hors d'oeuvres? Come to my house. And before I knew it, I was um, I was running a full time catering operation while I was at attending college in New York. And I was doing this all out of my parents kitchen. <laughs> so I transitioned from, you know, my mom's store to working in a you know gourmet takeout store to my own catering company. And then um you know, life gets complicated and, and my mom's cancer uh, came back and I had already had a successful catering company in Washington, D.C., which is where I moved after college with my husband. And I was catering congressional fundraisers and I did that for a number of years. And and when my mom's cancer came back, I turned to food, you know, so much of the quality of our lives is connected to what's on the end of our forks. Mm -hmm. And I, I really believed that my mother's cancer could be improved by, by what she was eating. 
But the problem was she didn't believe it. <laughs> you know, yeah. she didn't believe it. And when I suggested she take a probiotic, she wanted to talk to her doctor about it. And, you know, the medical world doesn't get a lot of training in nutrition and food yeah. and the power of food. And, and so it was a real eye opener to me that I couldn't even help my mother be more comfortable um, and get through her cancer treatments um, using food because she just wasn't open to it. But it sure fired me up and it fired me up to make sure my kids sure knew the power of food. Yeah. I mean, it's a generational thing. I mean, it's the whole health thing and it, they were definitely more about Western medicine than anything about nutrition or anything else. Well, and it's so interesting because if there's something wrong with your car you know, and somebody tells you something and you're like, well, that doesn't sound right. I might need to get, you know, a second estimate on that. Yeah, we don't yeah. do that so much with our doctors because we really, most doctors have our best interest at heart and the doctor patient relationship is a really strong one. And the fact of the matter is, our Western medicine just is focused on treating the symptoms. So mm -hmm. we can't really get our doctors. They don't have enough time to learn what they need to know about food. They can say, well, you should really eat, you know, more healthy, less sugar, less sodium, less artificial ingredients. But that's about as far as it goes. And what yeah. we really know now about food is that it is literally the answer to all those scary questions about inflammation, about um, lifestyle diseases. Um, if we want to live younger, longer, and better, what we eat has a huge impact on the quality of our lives. So I like to say, you know, we have to create the right conditions of life to support the life we want to live. And a big part of that is what is on the end of our fork. How much do you think of, of genetics? Because you hear about these older people who have been living forever and, and they haven't had the best diet. So just, just, obviously you can help it by having a better diet, but there's a, quite a bit of genetics involved with living longer too, wouldn't you say? Sure, sure. There's a lot of genetics, but we are also living in the middle of the chemical revolution right now. Yeah. Think about it this way too. Our agriculture has changed. Our food has changed more in the last 50 years than every year before that for millennia. Like in the last 50 years, the American diet has changed that dramatically. The whole world diet through industrial farming, through processing, through the addition of chemicals. So these people who are fortunate to live these very long lives and still eat, you know, not so great diets... They had the benefit of growing up and eating food that was certainly a lot more pure than what we eat now. So for, for those of us, for your listeners, I think it's just important to remind people that nobody's holding you hostage, making you eat something that's going to make you fat sick and potentially right. lower your IQ. Um, so what we can do is we can be very proactive and understand when we align our consumer dollars with our values, when we choose foods that are being grown in a way that supports a healthy planet, a healthy environment, we are choosing foods that are better for us. And that when we eat a largely plant-based diet, we're helping our body, we're giving our body the fuel it needs to function at its highest level. And one of the big things that, you know, when we talk about a plant-based diet and, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, eat the rainbow. Well, yes, we want to eat a whole bunch of different colored fruits and vegetables because those colors are associated with different nutrients that are in those plants that help mm -hmm. us, you know, develop this, this good base of nutrition. But when we eat plants and that's fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and fungi, we are also getting fiber. And that is one of the biggest things that is missing from the American diet. We are just not getting enough fiber, which is causing us all kinds of problems with eliminating toxins, 
um, from our bodies, with proper bowel function, um, with overall health, with feeding the, the good bacteria in our gut. So everything's a little more complicated. It's not just eat the rainbow. Yeah. It's like eat the rainbow because you need those phytonutrients. You need those micronutrients. You need that fiber. You need the water that comes attached to all those things. And you can reverse all this because I, I can admit that I grew up in a horrible diet in my family. <laughs> yeah. And so like you can, you can, you can fix that damage clearly. But I mean, there was like even TV dinners, my mom, where you just. I still love a good turkey TV dinner. Oh, okay. Jeez. All right. I mean, come out. on. That was good stuff. There was, okay. but we did grow up with like shake a pudding and jello one, two, three and instant yeah, breakfast yeah. and TV dinners. Eggos. Yeah, oh, oh like yeah. That. So, so Tony, what did the, what was your diet growing up? I mean, did you have horrendous? horrendous? Well, actually, my actually what we would eat for my my mom was actually a really good cook and uh, had lived in France and stuff, and it was all about using real ingredients. But we would always have like a cupboard full of crap. Like mm-hmm. I remember, remember toast and pop tarts. I mean, they weren't even good, but we would eat them. Remember those things? I remember the pop tarts, but toaster. those were the only that didn't Horrendous. make it They were so bad. Disgusting. Even those got kicked oh out. Oh, my God. Right. I think they have a shelf life of like 100 years. Right. So you could probably oh, keep sure. eating it. I'm yeah, sure. I'm yeah. sure. For sure. <laughs> well, the snacks, exactly. And I think what, what, you know, we, one thing on mom, I remember we weren't, we didn't drink a lot of soda, but we drank tons of juice like Tropicana. And you know, there's so much sugar in that stuff. So you're just inhaling that. Glasses of that, but I, you know, things like milk. We're now, oh, not too much milk. I, we we drank so much milk, and I oh, feel yeah. like it's getting a bad rap. Milk sometimes. Uh, I don't know how you feel about milk, Kristen. Well, you know, this is how I feel about milk. Um, so cow milk has a particular molecular structure that sometimes people really can't tolerate, whereas sheep's and goat milk have a different, um, more mm. easy to digest molecular structure. But the real problem with all of these foods that people have been eating forever is that once they became industrialized, they changed. Yeah. So cows are now being raised in what are literally apartment buildings. They are given hormones so that they just basically lactate their whole lives. Um, They're given they're um, given antibiotics. They are fed a diet that they wouldn't normally necessarily eat. And so these good things can become bad things when they mm. are processed and changed. So the the more we can eat foods that are as close to their original form as possible, the better. Right, right. You know, I looked at a quote that you had somewhere on the website. Do you know that 43% of what we do every single day is mindless repetition? And our habits around food comprise a large part of that 43%. And I started thinking about how, what you're talking about and being healthy and how, you know, it's, it's a lot of people are hesitant and I, you probably don't want those people to, to sign on because there's, it's, it seems like it's a lot of work to eat healthy. Not that we don't want to be healthy, but there's, I always wish there was one like supplement or one multivitamin. Oh, but there is. It all when you're busy. There is. Oh, okay. There is. There's one. Okay, there's one, one thing everybody okay. who's listening can do that can have a profound impact on their health and wellness. And that is hydrate better. Oh, okay. So almost every person is walking around partially dehydrated and we don't even know it. And this is for a lot of reasons. It's, you know, because there's a lot of additives and chemicals and things in our food. It's because we're sitting in front of computers all day and there's a lot of electromagnetic crap in our in our homes and in our air that's dehydrating. It's because we drink a lot of beverages besides water and we don't eat as many fruits and vegetables as we should be eating. So Mm -hmm. to become fully and properly hydrated, it takes two weeks So even if everybody started today and they're like, oh, my God, I had no idea I was I was dehydrated. So what that looks like is you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you have like eight to 10 ounces of warm or room temperature water. You can add uh, some Himalayan pink sea salt or electrolyte drops or just the juice of half a lemon. And then you want to sip 
8 to 10 ounces of water an hour for 8 to 10 hours a day. And what that really translates into, a sip is about an ounce. So when people tell me there's no way they can drink 100 ounces of water a day, I say, hey, but could you take 10 sips of water an hour? And they're like, yeah, I could take 10 sips an hour. I'm like, well, that's that's what we're talking about. So 10 sips of water an hour or 8 to 10 sips an hour for 8 to 10 hours a day for two weeks gets you fully hydrated. And every one of my wellness programs is built on this because it's the low-hanging fruit of wellness. When we get people hydrated, they make better food choices. They sleep better. When people sleep better, they don't need three cups of coffee in the morning. They don't crave carbohydrates. But I mean, can, can, let's say you want to get it done quickly. Is, is it better to sip? You can't chug it? No, chug the because then it goes right through you. So the whole idea is our bodies are 60 to 80% water. That's our brain. That's all of our major organs. Our major organs need water to function properly. So yeah. what we want to do, we've trained our bodies to be dehydrated. We don't even feel a sen- sense of thirst most of the time. So we've got to train our bodies. Once you get fully hydrated, your sense of thirst comes back and you're like, oh, I probably didn't have my, you know, eight to 10 ounces this hour. But if you sit down in your car at the end of the day and you drink, you know, 50 ounces of water, it's not the same thing. So the whole idea is you just you get hydrated and you stay hydrated and hydration's a practice. It's like exercise or eating healthy or meditation. It's a practice. The more you do it, the better you get at it, the more in touch you become with how you feel. And let me tell you, when you are properly hydrated, you feel bulletproof. It is, it's free. Anybody can do it. And if you want to do it better, you, you add some electrolyte drops. And so let's say you graduated from the hydrated, you know, you get your certificate, so to speak. And what's the next most important thing that you would add to remember my my single bullet, my one thing to do, I know hydration, what would be next? Well, you, you know, the, the next thing, most people don't like to give things up, um, right. but sugar is a big one. And sugar mm. is the most addictive substance on the planet, except for maybe mm. fentanyl. Um, it is so addictive. It has an opioid-like effect on the brain. And when rats are given the choice of sugar or opium, they take sugar every time. So sugar is like if we can just start reading labels. And when you read the label, there's two lines for sugar. There's total sugar and there's added sugar. So you really want to make sure anything you're eating and drinking has very little added sugar. You just want the natural sugar, the naturally occurring sugars in your food. And that's the, that's speaking, the easiest place to start is just reading yeah. labels and getting rid of added sugar. Maybe it's also the labels and being not educated. Some people like they look at all these lines on it, this milligrams of this and that, like, and they go, oh, I don't know. I mean, what, what's how do you knowing what you're supposed to have for a daily dose? And if you don't get it, this is, you know, stressful that you missed it. Do you make up for well, it? So I think basically, we should be eating this. less food with labels. True. Because if it's got a label, it's processed. I guess maybe I was thinking about the supplements and the other vitamins and all uh, that. Well, they like if you're at vitamins and minerals, here's one tip on vitamins and minerals. And most people need them. Most people need some supplements. They need a probiotic. Most people need a vitamin D3. Um, you know, I think a good multi kind of serves everybody well. And take magnesium at night because we're all magnesium deficient. But the one thing you want to look for in supplements You want the nutrients in the supplement to come from food, not chemicals. Mm. So if you've ever taken like a centrum on an empty stomach and then you feel awful. Yeah. Yeah. If you took a food-based multivitamin, you wouldn't feel awful because centrum is basically chemical, chemically compounded vitamins. Body doesn't know what to do with chemicals, right? Chemicals aren't food. So when we take a supplement that's food-based, body knows exactly what to do with it because it's food. The other one that 
Yeah, the one that made my stomach, I tried zinc on an empty stomach. That wasn't so good either. Not so good, is, uh, right. No. Um, so I, I see I see that, like, when I read on your website, what I love about it is I feel like sometimes you're, you're part, part nutritionist, part therapist. There's definitely a meditative component and mindfulness to this all. It's not just eating healthy. You sense that. Is that when you someone signs on with you, is that kind of a therapeutic practice, you want to say, that happens or... It's pretty much focused on I just love that I just love that you said that because I do sometimes say, Oh my gosh, I am a culinary therapist because Mm -hmm. people's relationship to food is complicated. And I I opened this uh, show by saying, you know, food is everything. It's love, it's it's romance, it's happiness, it's family, it's community, it's math, it's science, blah, blah, blah. And people's food habits that we talked about earlier, this 43% of what we do that's mindless repetition, is really hard to break. And that's why we start with the hydration. Because when I get people hydrated, they feel better, they make better food choices, they have less cravings, they sleep better, and then it's easier to address some of these, you know, emotionally charged issues around food. Um, and people who are addicted to sugar, sugar is a really tough one. It's a tough one to, to break. But when people break and you can feel awful, sugar, caffeine, alcohol, artificial ingredients, sodium chloride. Once we detox from these things, and that's what I do in my 21 day detox and reset, it's profound. And people do this program sometimes two, three times a year. Because until you kind of learn this skill set, you just, you fall back into your old patterns of behavior. That's what happens. You know, that's the default settings, 43% default settings we do without thinking. And what I want to get people to do, I want to get them hydrated so they have that pause to think before they do. But but you brought up two categories that would be hard for me: coffee and alcohol. So, um, what I mean when you say detox, and Tony could probably jump in on on that alcohol. Is that do you mean the detox? Can, can I go back after? I mean, sure. I see on your website you have pictures of you holding a glass of wine. So it's not like you're giving up. Is that green wine up. that I'm holding? That might be a smoothie. Okay. <laughs> oh no, no, you had a wine glass in one picture. Maybe I thought. I think I did newsletter. because yeah. actually I am a big proponent um, for people who, you know, who want to enjoy alcohol. You know, it's buyer beware about everything: about coffee, sure. about alcohol, about vitamins, about food. Everything we need to be more educated on. So if you decide after we give up alcohol and caffeine sugar, gluten, artificial ingredients, dairy, because we kind of have to get everybody to ground zero. I see. Because they're so jammed up with all these things that are sending bad messaging to the brain. So what you've got to understand is that the gut calls the shots. The gut is considered, it's actually the first brain, the gut sends Thousands and thousands of messages a day to our brain. The brain only sends a couple of hundred to the gut. So the messaging from our gut to our brain influences the choices we make all day long. So I've got to get people, I got to get the stuff that's sending the bad messaging, I got to get that cleared out so we can get the messaging right. If you're eating a lot of sugar or you're or, or dairy, because lactose is milk sugar. And, you know, as we discussed earlier, a lot of conventional dairies got things in it people don't really want in their diet. And gluten, this can really feed the bad bacteria in the gut, the gluten, the artificial ingredients, the sugar, the conventional dairy. All of this, when you feed the bad bacteria, The signaling to the brain says, hey, send more sugar, send more gluten, send more dairy, you know, and it causes these cravings. So we got to get people, we got to get, give the adrenals a rest. We've got to give people a chance to experience the delicious natural flavors of fruits and vegetables, because guess what? You can't taste them if you're used to eating a high sugar, high gluten, high artificial ingredient, high sodium diet. 
We have to work on the communication between the gut and the brain. It's not a good relationship. It's called the gut-brain axis, actually. Wow. Well, so, I mean, when I, again, going back to coffee and, you know, Mm. I thought, I always think I'm doing something special when I don't put something in my coffee. And I feel very proud of myself that I drank black coffee the other day. I'm thinking that's the better way to go if you're going to drink coffee. Um, and you know, you go back to school, you remind yourself like with alcohol, everything in moderation is fine. So, but I understand the detox once you're through it to ground zero. I like that. You have to start over. Whether you go back, you may not, you may go back less, which is fine, but at least it's starting you. It pulls you down in 21 days to ground zero. I like that. And see from there you build it back up and then you make the choices that hopefully will be better after the detox. Well, and then, and hopefully you've also learned enough about the wine you're drinking. So wine is fascinating because it doesn't have to have anything on the label that tells you what's actually in it. (laughs) So so there's a lot of added sugar in um, commercially produced wines. And, you know, every bottle of these commercially produced wines tastes exactly the same. And that's because there's 250 ingredients winemakers can use to create that consistency. And one of those ingredients is, you guessed it, added sugar. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we we as consumers want to be aware that, you know, wine is like coffee. Coffee is the same. Like with coffee... What do you want to look for? And this is one of the things we do actually on the 21 day detox coffee. Let me tell you, caffeine is the hardest thing. People can give up the alcohol more easily than the caffeine. But with coffee, one of the things that we want to look for. So we want to get the best coffee we can. We don't want to drink crappy mass produced coffee made from You know, there's two types of coffee beans, you know, and Arabica is the really good quality bean. Mm. So we want shade grown coffee, 100% Arabica. You know, most of these coffee plantations are like five acres or less. The bean, the, the berries are hand picked and these, that's what you want to look for. You want to look for shade grown Arabica beans because there is mass produced coffee that has got a, chemicals. My mom drank Maxwell House till the oh. day she died. <laughs> um, Tony, on your on your end, um, are you hydrated? Do you think? Well, do you keep hydrated? Well, I'm. I think not really properly. I drink a lot of water, but I do the thing where I'll have like a lot in the morning, and then I might do have some more after I work out. That kind of thing. I'm not doing the the ten. Glasses. Well, you learned that today. Now you do it. But yeah, that's what, what fascinating. Is, I'm going to try what, to do that immediately. I have a question about oh, that. Good, uh, go. um, Kristen, you mentioned electrolyte drops. Like, where do you get those? And, and I mean, I can imagine I know what they do, but do you recommend a, a certain brand or something? There's some great brands out there. And Tom Brady and I have this in common. <clears throat> you know, we're both big proponents of electrolyte drops. And if Tom Brady said, you know, says that we should be putting electrolyte drops in our water, I, you know, I am validated. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me, 100%. There is a company called Trace Minerals. They're out of Utah. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I just happen to know of them, and they're the ones that I use. I've met with their doctor, um, and they're made from these ancient salts from the Great Salt Lakes. So electrolytes are actually certain minerals that we're not getting in our water anymore, because guess what? Our water's processed. It's been processed through the municipal processing plant. It's been treated with mm-hmm. chemicals to make sure there's no, you know, waterborne contagions that we're consuming. And so the water we are designed as humans to drink is live. It's got, you know, live stuff in it, little, you know, bacteria that's beneficial and um, micronutrients and macronutrients, but we're not getting any of that. So by putting electrolyte drops back into our water, we're getting magnesium, we're getting potassium, we're getting chloride, um, we're getting some sodium, and that helps the water we're drinking mimic more what our blood actually looks like. So it's more easily absorbed into our cells. 
And so mm. that's why we add the electrolyte drops. So when you think of like kids and Gatorade and all of that, you know, it's the same kind of thing. We're trying to get more hydrated on an inner cellular level. Well, I have to admit that you uh, you told me about this a little while ago. I just got my electrolytes, trace mineral electrolytes, so I'm ready to go. But I, I did notice that you said a moment ago and told me in the email that it has to be room temperature and why. So the whole idea of cold water is no, on a, on a hot day, you don't do that? Well, you can still have cold water on a hot day, but um, most of the water you drink, you, you really want to be drinking room temperature water. And when mm-hmm. we talk about the electrolyte drops, when you read the bottle of the mm-hmm. electrolyte drops, it says to put in like two, two teaspoons. It will be practically undrinkable if you do that. So yeah. just put a squirt of electrolyte drops in whatever liquid you're drinking, whether it's tea or water. Um, just don't put in the two teaspoons at one time because you'll be turned off forever. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I grew up uh, with well water uh, in Connecticut. And that I mean, people used to come over and say, God, your water tastes amazing. So there is the old days of, you're saying the water that's coming out of our faucets now is no good. Well, it's been, we're not drinking well water, most of us. When right, we, I'm just saying I grew up with that. Which yeah. Great. When we go to our house in Maine, uh, the tap water is particularly delicious. Um, it's probably what they, you know, put in certain bottled water. They're probably just literally filling it from Poland Springs in Maine, right from the tap. But the water tastes really good. Um, I grew up in New York. The, the tap water tasted pretty good, but at this point, our water is, you know, and, and actually to continue the water conversation, I would like to discourage people from buying bottled water, get yourself a good filter you know, it could be a Brita. If you can afford it, maybe do a whole house filtration system because we absorb a lot through our skin. Um, get yourself a good stainless steel or glass water bottle that you mm-hmm. can refill and add yep. your electrolyte drops to that. You know, we all were part of this revolution where bottled water became a thing. And all of this bot- all this plastic is in yeah. our oceans and our rivers and our streams. And it takes forever for it to break down and degrade. And microplastics are showing up in all of us, in the food we eat. So do your part and don't buy plastic mm-hmm. if you can mm-hmm. help it. So so going oh, back to so your company and here, here, yay, we'll do the same. We do that. We don't have plastic here. We have our reusable bottles, just like our coffee. I dip my coffee cup. Um, so how long has just the culinary cure been in business and is it just, has it evolving? Is it, do you love it as much as you did when you started it or what's the changes happening things like that? Well, I love nothing more than giving people kind of the keys to the wellness castle. And when I show people how easy it is, most people think, oh, you know, it's so much work to, you know, shop, cook and eat healthy. Well, it's not. The problem is most people haven't been educated, haven't grown up in a household where they're eating real food because we've been marketed to that, you know, these prepared foods and these food meal kits and all these things make our lives easier, but they don't. What really makes our life easier is shopping at our local farmer's market. And I'll tell you why. When we are buying food, we are buying nutrients. That's what we're buying. So Mm. that's what you're paying for. So you could buy a shopping cart full of food that had zero nutritional value. Oh, Jesus. So think about what you're buying. You're buying nutrients. So spend more, get more nutrients. That's a better value. Well, need less, so it's not as expensive. Because I mean, one thing that one thing that I notice is that you said something a moment ago that discourages people is it's expensive to eat healthy. And I hear you. You go to the farmers market, but that's not cheap. But also, it's just you want to do it, but sometimes reality is like, wow, that's expensive to buy all this stuff organic. And and again, I want to get your input on organic. Yeah. That seems well, to be everywhere. We organic also on throw these packages, out. organic. You know, it's like. What is organic in your mind, too? I think that's got, it's taken on a whole nother meaning, the word organic. 
Yeah, we also throw out a lot of food. Americans were very wasteful. It's something like forty yep. percent. Um, and there's the old joke about at the end of the week you throw out that bag of um, spring mix that you bought <laughs> that's <Yeah. laughs> liquefied in the bag. So buy less food. Buy better food, have a plan for all the food you buy. And what happens is, is people go to the store and they buy food. They don't buy meals. So we're buying too much. We're wasting. That costs us money. Instead of planning for a week, planning some meals, some snacks, some breakfasts, we should be out of food at the end of the week. Most people only need about five days of food. They need to get through the work week. And then they eat differently on the weekends. So I encourage people, I teach people how to make healthy, delicious. And I will tell you, I probably never spend more than 20 minutes preparing a lovely dinner because I do some prep work ahead of time. So, so that it makes it easy. I get back the time that I spend prepping during the week when I don't have the time. So it's really quite minimal, but people just don't know how to do it. So they they don't have the recipes. They think cooking is hard. And I like to say it's just food assembly. And when we're yeah. eating more food that's higher quality nutrition, um, we don't have to do a lot of prep. There's not a lot of prep to make a sweet potato or steam some yeah. broccoli. Um, and you can put butter on your broccoli and sea salt and some pepper. It's delicious. Um, you can mm-hmm. make some amazing, like if you're a meat eater, which I am, you know, we make my chili powder chicken thighs off my website probably every other week. Um, I have some great simple recipes that are really just food assembly. And once you learn how easy it is, you're like, oh, I am saving money because although I'm buying organic, I'm not throwing stuff out at the end of the week. Right. Right. Do you cook? Do you, do you, do you ever go out and eat or you sell? Oh my God. We go out to eat all the time. I love to go out. I love it when somebody else is cooking for me. Do you grill the chef and what he's doing and what he's using or something? (laughs) You go in the back and they let you, they know you by now. Right. Well, I do like to go out to eat for food that I don't make for myself. So, you know, I like to go out for ethnic food. Um, I'm a huge foodie. So I like to go out for the dining experience because Eating out is about more than just food. It's about the of whole course. experience. Um, totally. Tony, do you do you cook mainly? Or do you guys go out? To Not eat? at all. I don't cook at all. But do you, do you guys, some, Julie cooks at home. Someone cooks? Yes, and, and we eat, I, I would say we, we eat pretty healthily. I mean, yeah. I think we, we eat a lot of um, fresh stuff and, you know, organic stuff. Not a lot of chemicals on the on the containers. Yeah. All right. So um, what is the next stage for the culinary cure? I just keep gathering more, you know, disciples and recruiting people to do to make their lives uh, healthier. What's the next step? Well, um, I, you know, I am all about teaching people how to make healthy, delicious and simple so that they can make they can live younger, longer and better. Because come on, like there's no point in getting old if you're just like feeble and sick. You know, we want to be right, like those right. Germans who are hiking the Alps, you know, in their yeah, 90s. Yeah, exactly. And and knowing it's a couple of things, knowing how to shop, knowing how to assemble food in the easiest and most delicious way. Simple. Like I am all about simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. So at The Culinary Cure, you know, I've got my book. I do regular uh, local TV segments for Good Morning Washington and Fox. Um, I write some columns. But my next thing is I just love to do my 21-day detox and reset because I love the group. And I do this three times a year. People take it more than once. And it people go through such a profound change. That's what really excites me teaching people how they can avoid disease, how they can improve. Everybody's got something that's frustrating them, whether it's belly bloat or extra pounds or crappy sleep, or they're hangry or they're addicted to sugar, or they don't like the way they're aging. You know, inflammaging is rapid aging that's associated with inflammation in our diet. So all of my programs are really... Uh, they're not about losing weight. They're about gaining health. And so when we like focus, that. that's what I like to focus on. And I, 
I love to do my um, my detox and I love to work one on one with people who are really motivated and they're like, okay, let's do this thing. And I also love that you, the key there to get more people and to, to lead with that message is to simplifying it because we went back earlier in the conversation is uh, eating healthy is a lot of work and expensive, but it really, if it starts with hydration and beyond that, it really can be simple. I mean, truly you can, you can find stuff in your, 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 at the market that can make a very simple dish and not have to go crazy and spend a lot of time, as you said, like 20 minutes to prepare. Exactly. I mean, everybody should honestly know how to roast a chicken. That's one of the easiest things. I have Mm -hmm. two great recipes on my website, but just doing a roast chicken, you literally can slice some onions, put them in a pan, take a roaster, pat it dry, rub it with some salt and pepper, you know, squeeze some lemons on the inside and put it in the oven at, 325 for an hour and 45 minutes on those onions. That's it. Like you've, you've done a roast chicken. Tony, did you write that down? You do that tonight. I didn't, but it sounds so good. I'm, I'm really getting hungry and it makes me want some of that nasty wine you were talking about. Too. <laughs> um, so I, I, I asked uh, guests or certain questions, but like, I mean, I can't imagine now talking to you. What would your life have been like if you didn't pursue this? I mean, that, that just seems like it's not even going to work for you, but could you imagine what it would be like without this kind of uh, crusade, if you will, what you do, what you'd be doing? I don't, talking to you now, I can't imagine you not doing this, but just a thought. Well, it is hard to imagine me not doing this because I'm pretty dang passionate about it, but I probably missed my calling in marketing, <laughs> PR uh, and would, marketing. You're a good marketer. You're a good marketer. I can see that, definitely. Um, so a few other things before... Um, you want to talk about your new business on the side, uh, the new one, the Better Than Gossip? Better Than Gossip, Ageless yeah. Advice for Timeless Women. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So one other thing, I've this this season we're doing something different. We're going to throw a random question, and I, I think you can handle anything I throw at you. You're very good. But one is obvious, but I'm going to give you two because the, the first one's so obvious, and I'm curious what you'll pick. But your first your three favorite foods that you couldn't live without. Mm. Very hard for you, probably. Okay, I'm going to say tomatoes. Okay. I'm going to say cheese. And wow, I love it. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm almost making a pizza here. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm, that's a tough one. Tomatoes and cheese tough. for sure. And yeah, it might be chicken. Okay, we got a meal. We got a meal there. And so, well, then that was actually harder than I thought because I guess you, you're you in this business. It's hard for you to narrow it down to three. But so, Tony, any other thoughts from you that uh, we got a lot of? No, good, I'm excited so, I mean, to start my new uh, hydration, hydration I'm technique. Doing. I just got my no, the technique. Yeah. The, and, 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 and here's the another tip technique. on hydration if you're not measuring, you're not drinking enough. You have okay. to measure your water. Otherwise, you shortchange yourself. Every time. Wow. Sounds right. good. I want to, um, I want to so, hear from you, Tony. I want to know yeah, how it's going. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, and I'm ahead of you. I got my electrolytes just delivered. So I'm, I've got a couple drops. I'm a couple drops behind you, uh, Tony, already. So um, I'll come over for some yeah, Come over for some electrolytes hanging out instead of a drink. Any last thoughts for our audience? Yeah, I mean, I'll just do a quick recap. Um, You know, the first thing everybody that's listening might want to consider is working on their hydration. And the way we do this is by, number one, eating more plants. um, And number two, by consuming more liquids like water and herbal teas. And the, um, the numbers to remember are... 8 to 10 ounces of water an hour for 8 to 10 hours a day. And you want to start when you first wake up in the morning so that you're not drinking a whole bunch of liquids at the end of the day that are going to keep you up. You can boost your water with the juice of half a lemon and some electrolyte drops. If you're using the lemon, use a straw to protect your tooth enamel because lemon goes in acidic, but it turns alkaline in the body. Eat more plants. Because a largely plant-based diet is going to give us all those phytonutrients and chemicals and micronutrients and macronutrients, and especially that fiber 
that's going to help feed the good bacteria in our in our gut because we want to get that gut brain access messaging right so we want to minimize added sugars gluten dairy artificial ingredients just because there's chemicals in food doesn't mean chemicals are food so all of those things create that low level inflammation that's linked to all those lifestyle diseases we want to avoid. So become a label reader, know what's in your food, know where your food comes from, and align your values with your consumer dollars. And, you know, that's just a really good start. Come and visit me at theculinarycure.com. That's a great place. There's over 200 recipes. There's all kinds of free info on my website to help people. Um, I have a private Facebook group. And then just because I'm just a busy girl, I started another business and it's called Better Than Gossip, Ageless Advice for Timeless Women. And we are a streaming media channel on the Binge Network and we are interviewing experts on all kinds of things, Um, skincare, career, health, um, fashion, all kinds of stuff. Coffee. That was one of our experts. And we've, we've just got like a lot of fun stuff going on because come on, we need more fun. For more information about this podcast on Kristen Cofield, go to theculinarycure.com and also check out our new website, Better Than Gossip with Amy Schmidt and Lisa Spears. It's at betterthangossip.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gray Matters Podcast. Please rate and review and be sure to tell your friends too. For more information about this podcast, go to thegraymatters.org and please subscribe to the Gray Matters wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank our guest, Kristen Cofield, my co-host, Tony Hoyland, and a special thanks to you, the listener. I'm Todd Harrington. Until next time.